Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, welcome back to the Iron Brew Podcast. Another In Conversation episode. You've got Brad Mel and Matt Ellis on this one. And we are chatting to a player who he actually wasn't with us all that long, but certainly left a big impact. So it's In Conversation with Dwayne Holmes. How are you doing, Dwayne? All good. Yeah, very good, thank you. So uh, let's let's start then. Let's start with uh, your early career, which was obviously at Huddersfield, and obviously the connection to Scunthorpe with that is that you sort of encountered Mark Lillis there. So what what are your sort of uh, memories of working with him at the time? Yeah, Lil's a legend. He was actually um, it's actually his 60th birthday just gone. So uh, yeah, happy birthday, Lil. Nice way to start the um, conversation, I guess. Yeah, Lil's um, Lil was a legend. He was great with me. Um, because I, I weren't, I weren't actually enjoying football at the time. Because I weren't playing, I got told I was too small. Um, and then the academy director left, and Lil got the job. And then um, just completely changed my mentality. Just like uh, literally, like a ray of sunshine lifted the mood of everyone. And he was just, it was. Don't get me wrong, he's crackers, Lil. He's, he's a bit mental, but there's a method to his madness, and he, he got the best out of everyone. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed working with him. Fantastic, yeah. He's, he's yeah, obviously obviously well known uh, as Scunthorpe and in coaching circles as well. Um, so you know, I, th- I think best just move on to, to Scunthorpe really. And uh, Dwayne, how so? How did the signing come about then? Who did you speak to? And uh, was it was it an easy decision after kind of you know you left Huddersfield and looking for a new club? When I left Huddersfield, it came as a bit of a shock, um, and I've, I've not really enjoyed my the previous season. I've played a few games and. Uh, got a taste of it and then just got completely bombed off and uh and then when I got released I was like shit what do I do um I was meant to go I was meant to go Barnsley but it didn't work out I was meant to go Portsmouth that didn't work out Charlton didn't work out I was thinking it's not going to happen for me and um it actually got to a point where me and my missus at the time we were talking about just going traveling and I was just going to sack it in and because I weren't enjoying it and then I got a call from Graham Alexander and he said do you want to come come and train with us for a bit and I was like yeah and then a couple of days later he's like look we want you so we're going to speak to your agent and we'll, we'll get it sorted and then obviously it just took off from there. Uh, you mentioned uh, Graham Alexander there was you know obviously involved there with a the phone call um, we, this was sort of around the time I think Peter Swan was quite heavily involved in sort of signings we've heard chat as well that uh, his son Will Swan he was involved as well uh, what, how sort of true is that? I don't know I only really spoke to Greza um, I don't know obviously Will was part of the scouting team i don't i don't know how much swanee had to do with it i'm not sure but um that, that's probably behind the scenes but i know i spoke to to greza first and, and probably only spoke to greza before i signed so i see myself as uh as his signing i think you, you say you sort of weren't in, enjoying your football and sort of were almost ready to sort of pack it in at that point with the clubs not working out uh was it sort of what what sort of things did he actually sort of say to get you to come to the club? Then was it? Did he have to sort of convince you to do that? No, I just wanted I just wanted the platform to prove to prove to myself and, and to other people how good I was because I knew I was I knew I had the ability at times when I was when I was young. Well, um, I'll admit that probably when I was eighteen, nineteen, I didn't do enough, um, and that came back in the ass at Huddersfield. 
And then Greza just said, look, if you work hard and, and you put it in on the training ground, you'll get your chance to play and, and you can show people what you can do. And that was all I really needed to hear because the way Greza went about his business is quite fair. He just he just demanded every day and and that, that was it. And I, I bought into it and thankfully, like I say, it worked out. Yeah, I think... You know, we've got a, a little bit of a reputation of a, of a club who kind of, you know, brings on younger players and then sells them for a profit in the future. I think was, you know, we, I think we, we've done really well with that in terms of like strikers like Billy Sharp and Keo and the attacking players have always been something we've been really good at bringing through. Was was that something that you kind of, you know, recognised when you came into club? Was that something that um, Alexander had to sell to you as well? He, the first conversation I had with Greza, he was telling me that he said for. Um, I know you want to play higher and we want to play higher and if we can do it together brilliant and if you if you come and, and you do well and, and you have to go to another club to play higher then then that's what this club's known known about known for doing. So that was it really. I knew I was gonna get the chance to play. Uh I always believed in my own ability and I honestly thought hand on art that we was gonna go up and that I'd get the chance to play for Scumfoot up in the in the champ and obviously that didn't happen but yeah, that that was basically the conversation with, with Gregory. He said, uh, we either go up together or you do well and, and you move on, and, and that's what happened. So that was always the sort of real ambition of the club at the time was to get the promotion. We know that we sort of came close you know, on a couple of successive seasons, and actually uh, when when Graham was first brought in, actually we were really close actually to sneaking into the playoffs uh, at the end of that run from March to sort of, I think, May. Uh, we really nearly got there in the first time. But, you know, what what was the sort of the atmosphere and the sort of the squad like at the time because we you know when you look back at it now we we were having a lot of success then even though we didn't quite make the playoff that uh, didn't quite go up i think my first season i think was it 16 17 i think that was the best group of lads that i've been involved in in my career so far probably the the, the group was was unbelievable um and you could tell they were, they were flying off the the momentum from the the season before obviously I wasn't involved, but but coming in, they, they were a real good feel about the place. We thought obviously we were going to go one better, and and the ambition was to go one better and make the playoffs. And then we started really well, and then we was found ourselves at the top of the league, and we were thinking, oh, can we keep this up? And then obviously we know what happened, but yeah, the the, the feeling in the dressing room was that we knew it was a good team, and. And it was a great group of lads. Uh, just talk a little bit about that time uh, at top of the league. I think it was Christmas, wasn't it? We, you know, we were winning quite a lot, sort of from September on there. And then, like you say, top of the league at Christmas. Uh, we'll come on to sort of January and what happened afterwards then. But what was that sort of like? You know, Scunthorpe being at the top then. I think, I think if we hadn't have been top of the league for the pre-season that we had, we're doing ourselves a disservice because it was the hardest pre-season I've ever seen. We worked so hard. Um, Grezer had us up in Austria in the mountains, six in the morning, running like fucking army, like, like we're in the military. He was leading the runs. Like, that's the sort of geezer he was. He was, if everyone in there at six, then we get up 15 minutes. Early. Do you know what I mean? Just trying to get us mentally strong and ready for the season, as well as physically. And um, and then, like I said, the results were... I remember we went... I think we played like three games at home, and we, we were four, five, and then four again. And... We were flying, and then um, yeah, and then everything else happened, and and, we, and it just sort of didn't work out. But especially at the start of the season, it was absolutely flying, yeah. Uh, so obviously, it's it's a 
a bit of a cliche, I think, with with footballers and interviews and things like that, that you sort of say, you know, we're, you know, we are, we're just looking to the next game, you know, we're, you know, we're just going to take it one step at a time. But when you are sort of top of the league, Christmas, we've had the run that you, you know we've been on. Did you did that sort of group then think it is, you know, this is definitely going to happen? We are going to sort of get automatics, or you know, we're certainly going to be in the playoffs. No, I think that's one thing that that um, Perez had drilled into is that it's always the next game. It's like, this one's gone, it's the next one, it's the next one. And then you could see our mentality was, especially, like, I think from October time to December, we was, we was just on it. We was just relentless. We'd run, we were running all over teams. And, and it, it was literally, like you say, it, it was a cliche, but we were just focused on that one. Once we'd got the, the job done on the pitch, we were on, on to the next one, on to the next one. And and then we found ourselves at the top of the table. And then... Um, it was just obviously we, we were just trying to keep the momentum going. It didn't work out. Uh, yeah, how how do you ex- explain that one, Dwayne? And then obviously it started to kind of fall to bits a little bit in January, didn't it? And we, as you said, we had been you know so good. And I think you know when I was going to the the matches in that season, it's some of the best football I'd, I'd sort of ever seen us play as a Scunthorpe United fan. So that was you know delightful, really. And then it was a bit of a shock when it started to sort of like deteriorate a little bit. How would you? How would you kind of quantify that? How would you explain that? Because it's it's such a difficult one, and sometimes we, as Scunny fans, we still scratch our head and can't believe that we didn't go up that season. Yeah, um, we were we were playing some some really good stuff. Um, we, we were a bit direct, to be fair, at the start. We was just obviously focusing on playing in the other teams half, and then we found ourselves like just running all over, like I say, running all over teams, and we were playing some some really good stuff. Obviously, Josh was. Just pulling worldies out of his ass, <laughs> and then obviously the the stuff happened in January. We've seen obviously we all seen the the thing, the social media, the people are getting offered contracts and, and whatever, and and that did it. I I I, I don't I, I had vicious episodes, and I did I I it did affect the dressing room um, to an extent, but we can't blame that. We 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 had the players, and we just didn't. We just didn't get it done, but I think it definitely played a part. The what what happened, but we, like I said, we can't blame it com- completely on that. We we are we were at fault ourselves. What was you say it did sort of have a little bit of an impact? What was what was the sort of uh, reaction like? Not just with yourself, but I guess the other players that weren't directly involved within that situation regarding the contracts. My my personal view on it was I just didn't understand the the why this why why it happened. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I feel personally my opinion would have been to just try and keep everyone happy and and whatever but I don't know what the players are asking for or what what was going on but I was just thinking just keep everyone happy we're flying with do you know what I mean we're top of the league with seven points clear or whatever we're always something stupid like that then obviously to see the negative stuff coming out it weren't it, it just weren't in our nature because we were also uh, we're all like a tight group also positive all the time and then when that happened it was just like oh fucking hell here we go like <laughs> something when, like it, do you know what I mean something had to happen and um like I said, my my personal view was I don't I don't know why it why it all escalated the way it did, but I can see the thing is I can see it from both sides. Obviously, lads want security, and the club club have got to look after themselves financially as well. So I can see both sides, but I just think it, it's avoidable. Uh, so I think you know that's probably one of the major one of the major flashpoints. Um, but I think another one really was uh, the playoff. Uh, this, the playoff second leg against Millwall really at Glanford Park. We we went to the new den. We we drew nil nil. We you know it's a good solid point against a, that, a team that's, that's probably our one of our best performances. Mm. 
Yeah, I think so, and I think one of, one of the one of the harder teams to play away against in the league, and uh, and then we kind of obviously got back to Glenford Park, didn't we? And it, it it just didn't quite work really, and it's it's kind of a bit of a. I don't know really it's a bit of a mystery as to what happened because the way I saw it um I thought that we 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 decided to play Millwall at their game which was you know very very direct and very kind of like punt towards a big man up front and it didn't really work for us did it so I don't really know how how do we say you know what what went wrong there really because you know, something I will say Dwayne is that when you came on I think it was about after seventy minutes the, the you know the formation changed the dynamic changed and Millwall just couldn't live with us for about twenty minutes and if we'd started like that I'm sure we would have beat them. I just think I think that's the only time I've been like I don't know when I didn't get to play in that second leg I I didn't understand why you he weren't we were playing at our place where we've been so good all season just getting teams and getting in the face and yeah maybe he thought cause cause we'd gone to their place and and done what what we'd been asked obviously kept kept herself in tie and stuff like that maybe he wanted to show a bit of loyalty to the lads who'd gone and done that but yeah like you say the game but it's easy to say the game changed when you change but it's it's different when you you bring in subs on; they're always going to have an imp- an impact one way or another. Do you know what I mean? I could have come on and been absolutely diabolical, and then everyone had been saying, "Lost." But see, that's why I didn't. I mean, that's why I didn't play him. But <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just one of it's just one of them. That's what that's what the manager thought, and um, unfortunately, it didn't go our way on the night. You just ask as as well in regards to the playoffs, because as, as we've just been chatting about, we were top of the league, and you know it's sort of fallen away, and we went on that that. I guess, you know, a bit of a poor run from, I think, sort of February onwards, really. And we ended up in the playoffs, which I think usually would be, you know, quite a very positive thing. But because we were so good and we were looking so good, you know, for so long, it it felt a bit disappointing that we did end up there. Was that sort of the feeling in the dressing room or were you, were you lads still, you know, completely up for this and thinking this is still a great opportunity here? No, because um, there were some good teams in that league that year. I think it, we're at Bolton and Chef United went up automatic yeah. and we always said from the start of the season until you're going up so it was we, did, we like, like I say as, as expectations at the start of the season to go one better and make the playoffs but obviously after the start we had it, it would be disappointing to actually end up there but I think we what was it we lost 7 out of 9 in January and February or something like that and, and then to, for the county a bit of a run, and, and I think we finished third. What were we four four points behind Bolton, were something like that? I feel like we I feel like we fully thought we still we still got a, a great chance to go up. So I don't think it affected us the fact that we ended up in the playoffs now. Okay, so what about sort of moving into the following summer? You just said then that you know pre-season for the, the season just gone was you know really intense. Uh, was it the same sort of approach? Uh, what was the sort of reaction like to missing out on promotion? And you know what were the sort of targets for the following season? Yeah, the targets were to go one better again and obviously try and finish one place higher than we'd achieved. But pre-season were the same, same principles, same wanted to 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 get the work in physically, mentally and just and obviously try and get over last try and get over the season before because it was really disappointing when we uh, when we lost the Millwall. Um but yeah we the, the lads picked themselves up and and I think we 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 started well again in pre- after pre-season. Was it uh, you know in terms of the pre-season Dwayne how was uh, um was it similar to the pre-season before you said you obviously you got run into the ground in Austria by uh, by Greza um was it 
was it a similar preseason or was there any emphasis on maybe something like, you know, mental toughness and something like that? Was there a bit of a worry that the kind of the way we lost or the way we didn't go up would affect the season coming? Or was it just, you know, a case of crack on doing exactly like we've been doing before and hope that this time it'll work out? Yeah, it was it was definitely just more more of the same. Because uh, we knew how well we started, and we were in we were in great shape going into the season. So we, uh, it was very similar. We still had his day on a on the sat the first Saturday back. I think Bish said it when uh, Grez was like, "Oh lad, you don't need your boots." So we still had that day. Um, that's always fun. Yeah, it was it was it was very similar, um, very tough. And Grez's pre seasons were were more more mental as well because he, he wanted to to see who could hack it, really. Uh, we sort of talk about the comparison there between the two pre-seasons, but actually the season as a whole was very, very similar. Uh, you know, again, doing really well at the start, fell away in January and, you know, ended up in the playoffs. What what was that like just sort of to experience the fact that it's ha- the same thing appeared to be happening again? Yeah, it was disappointing when it happened the second time. I think that was around the time Lopetti left. I believe anyway, and I think that affected Grezzo. He was getting Grezzo. Grezzo and Lachetti worked really well together, and um, obviously him leaving, I think Grezzo might have felt a bit, bit more isolated because Lachetti was always his go-to, and um, and then, like I said, the results fell off again, which was just really disappointing. Cause obviously, we've been through it the year before, and it was something when, when the first couple happened, we was like, fucking hell, lads, can't let this happen again, and then obviously. It did, and it's, it was um, it was tough to get herself out of it, especially the second time. And then, obviously, the the difference there is that uh, Graham Alexander obviously gets sacked as manager, and this is when you know we're in fifth, and this is one of these situations. I think that still to this day, given how you know how the team's gone since, that you know people uh, you know people are still debating whether we should have done that or not, uh, because you know from the outside, you're sacking a manager in playoff position. It seems ridiculous, but of course. We did this, you know, we went through the same thing with the season before previous, and I think Peter Swanbase said this time around he genuinely thought they didn't have the ability to keep us in the playoffs at the time with the run that they were on at the time. Um, I Obviously, it's easy now in hindsight looking at what's happened, um, but at the time we were struggling for confidence, but I don't think... I, I was shocked when I heard, when um, when we all heard that that he'd been sacked. We weren't expecting him to get sacked, to be honest. And then, obviously, Dars got the job mm. until the end of the season, and he started. Grezza's biggest. Um, I think maybe even if you spoke to Grezza now, he'd say maybe he, he was getting the team wrong because he was playing. I know it was a thing with the fans, me and Murray playing at fullback and, and whatever. But um, <laughs> Grezza was quite <laughs> stubborn, so he'd, he'd maybe change. But I, I feel Nick did a good Nick did a good job between. Obviously, then in the end of the season, and um, but I, I, I believe we, we would have been in the same position if we had Greza. To be honest, I think the, the team was too good to not make. How did you find out that he had gone? Did the chairman sort of have you all in, or were you just sort of text, or how did you actually find out? I can't, I can't remember. I remember um, I heard off Connor Townsend because he was he was at my house, and I, I don't know how it happened. I can't remember. I think um, I think. Email or something off the secretary. And actually, uh, you mentioned then obviously that obviously Dawes got the job there, and Dawson as well was helping him out. And uh, they'd obviously had te- caretaker experience before Graham Alexander came in, and obviously a little bit before your time. But they went on a very good run there, which is why I think fans were quite confident in the pair of them. Uh, so I think they had off the top of my head was it, it's sort of about six or seven games I think didn't they have in that season? So what was did was there a sort of immediate change in I guess in training and in sort of style of play? I think 
things like that. How, what was the difference between uh, them and Alexander? I think when a manager loses his job, from my experience anyway, the, the new manager always tries to come in and or the caretaker or whatever and just lift the mood and training's lighter, it's fun, it's whatever. And um, and yeah, Nick and Andy sort of went down that route and um, it, it it worked. Obviously, they they played they played players in the more natural position. And yeah, obviously we I think we won. I think did we win the last the last five league games or something like that to make the playoffs? Yeah. So obviously, we were going in with good form. So. Like going into the the second playoffs, I thought if we can beat Rotherham, then we're because Rotherham were a good a good team as well in that in mm-hmm. that season. And like we like I say, we thought we, we thought we was more than good enough to beat them and and obviously go all the way. But the second leg obviously killed us and um, we missed out again. What yeah, was you the, mentioned... what was the mood like after that then? Really, because obviously it's the second time it's happened. I mean, <laughs> it must you know the players must have been pretty devastated after kind of fighting back to get in the playoffs after the previous season where it was a, a disappointment in the playoffs. It must have been a pretty pretty bad mood in the dressing room after that one. Yeah, we were, we were I think, I think well, I know personally the second one at most for me because the, the team we had was was more than good enough. I mean, I still talk about it with one of my mates, George, who's a, an Iron fan. Uh, shout out, George. Um, yeah, and I, I just can't, like, I, like I, said, I can't believe we, we didn't end up Going up, um, the team, the, the teams that we, I played in both years were were obviously more than good enough to go up, and that one, the second one, hurt me more because I think I knew that that was probably going to be my last season, and definitely the last season as, a, as, as the group, the core group that that we've been for the last two years. We kind of we we had that feeling that with a, a group of you know such a talented group of players that it was always ever only going to be kind of a small window that we were going to have to try and get up and if you know if we didn't quite do it on the second attempt we kind of expected the team to kind of move on or some of the best players in the team to move on to you know teams in the in the championship which is what happened really yeah I think I think um, obviously if if we'd have gone up I think the boys would have stayed together because obviously it would have been a great chance to go and play week in week out in the championship and that that was our aim especially from when I went there to, to get promoted and and obviously to, to go test ourselves at that level and and the lads have done the, I mean the lads that the lads that moved are great players and like it shows now they're all they're all doing well so it's it's it was just a shame that we couldn't all do it to, like we couldn't get that together do you know what I mean because mm. the team was really close it was great set of lads and that would have been a perfect way to you know what I mean? Sort of sign it off. Yeah, and I think um, as as Matt sort of said there, that we sort of expected. I think certainly after the Rotherham game, that this would be the sort of beginning of the end in, in a way. And you sort of said that obviously the players moved on, and I think they started to move on quite quickly. And Wallace and Townsend. Um, I think everybody assumed that again you would be sort of with them and going almost straight away. But this is it, this was something that seemed to drag on you know, over the summer. And, you know, obviously in the end, we know it, you went on deadline day. But what was that like sort of as a as a player? Were you sort of looking to get the move done earlier on? Or, you know, and, and the later it goes, you're getting involved with pre-season. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. With the club again, so what, what's that sort of like to experience? Yeah, obviously, Muzza moved early. Um, Connor moved early-ish. Obviously, Hacks mm. uh, moved quite early to Bristol. And then it was... Um, like I was, I was sat there. I got the, I got a couple of calls in the summer. Uh, I think Rotherham came in for me in the summer when I was on holiday, and then um, that one got turned down straight away. But when, <laughs> funny story actually, me and um, me, Connor and and Hacks, Charlie, Hops, we were, were all in Ibiza, uh, Willow as well. Was all on holiday, obviously after the season, <laughs> and um, me and Connor had an option in his contract and took it out on on the last day or whatever, and then. They offered uh, me and Connor a new, a new deal on the same, like at the same, on the same day. Like we both got a call from his agent when we was in Ibiza. So obviously we was we we didn't know, I I didn't know at this point that that there was interest from in the championship. So I was talking to my agent about what should I do, blah blah blah, and um, and then obviously Hacks left, Connor left, and we weren't really bringing anyone in, and um, and then. I got a, a text off my agent probably with a week to go in the in the window saying that Derby are interested, but they've got to get a couple of things sorted first, and then and then um, they're looking to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll hold off then. And, um, and then, obviously, like I say, it ended up going through on deadline day. So so yeah, that was a uh, very stressful. We'll get we'll come on to Derby quite shortly, but just uh, just for a minute, it's obviously as we say, you did you know you did take part in that pre-season. This was. Dawes' pre-season, and you, you've already talked about Graham Alexander's. What was the difference? It weren't as um, it weren't as tough. Obviously, I didn't do a lot of it because I got injured in um, mm. in Austria. I did my ankle, so I missed a lot of it. But I just remember the lads saying it, it weren't as tough. Um, and obviously, the, the two seasons before, we'd we'd come in flying fit as a fiddle, you know, and, and maybe that might be why they started so slow. And like I say, it took. It took a while, really, to get players in, and I remember having a conversation with Nick when we was in um, in Austria. And I was just saying, like, obviously the team we had a couple of loans. I think it was Ivan and Yates had had gone back, and and then Hack had left, Connor had left, Murray had left, and I'm just saying, like, I was asking him, like, 
what's what is what's the ambition because we've we've been close two years in a row and we've not brought anyone in and then he was like the players are coming the players are coming and then obviously the later it got the less time we had to gel and, and stuff like that and I think that affected the start of the season and obviously then it was an uphill battle for for the lads. We know obviously as we just said you went on deadline day but you did play. Uh, a part of that first game in the away game at Coventry I think you assisted didn't you so did you did you know then that that would be your your final game I knew um I knew Darby well Darby wanted to see me play in a game so they knew that I weren't still injured basically and 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 stuff like that I think it was a couple of days before the window shut and then obviously I played in that game uh was was one nil down I think mm-hmm. we ended up winning 2-1 and Dale's he scored didn't he mm-hmm the strangest celebration ever. He ran the wrong way. Kind of runs last time. He ran the wrong way in the stadium. <laughs> I remember that. Was, was it towards Scott? The wrong way. Running towards <laughs> wrong, wrong crowd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, a couple. I think it was the night before the deadline. Um, I got the call off my agent saying a bid had gone in and and stuff like that. So I went in the next morning and and um, Swanee were to be fair, Swanee were. Being a top man with me, he was just saying he's not going to stand in my way and he's going to let me go test myself at the higher level. So, yeah, I can only I can only thank Swanee because uh, I don't think Jim wanted me to leave, but um, Swanee was Swanee was saying he's not going to stand in my way, and, and thankfully we got it done. Let, let's talk about Derby then, because we heard a lot sort of around the time that obviously we know it's it's Frank Lampard's first job, and we'll discuss that in you know in, in a minute. But we heard that he sort of was personally quite involved in wanting you to come to the club is was that true from what i from what i was told when i got there then the yeah that's that's true yeah um frank was the first person to greet me when i walked in the building so um so yeah i think i think i think i was his signing he said my games from the year before so um so yeah i'd, I'd say that was true yeah uh, and then obviously we were talked a lot about sort of you wanting to do it at the high level you've got that now you're with derby is there is obviously added pressure from you know proving yourself at that level, I guess, for the first time. But also with it being Frank Lampard's first job, there's a lot of extra sort of media attention, uh, and maybe the focus is on Derby in a way that otherwise it, it wouldn't be. What what was that like to sort of go through? Yeah, it were it were weird going from from Scunny to obviously getting followed around by everyone wanting to speak to Frank, and it was obviously Derby's a massive club, and and that was that was weird for me, like obviously. The, the massive stadium and all that sort of stuff and it took me a while to find my feet and I think I was still catching up fitness wise to be honest because I've not had a pre-season so it took me a while to catch up but then um, he gave me my chance and, and then he, he left me in so I could only thank him yeah. You talk about sort of the 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 uh, you know catching up with sort of fitness and things like that uh, the differences between League One and, and the Championship but also there's a difference in you know style and and the pace of the play in the game was did you sort of adapt to that game quite well do you think or, or did did you, did was the leap quite evident um, at, at the start it was quite evident because I was unfit obviously a big part of my game is running and and when I was unfit I struggled to be honest with Derby I, I, I um, it took me a couple of months to obviously get fully fit again and but then once I did, I, I, I didn't find the step up too bad. It was more off the ball. Teams were a lot better. On, when I was on the ball, I, I still feel like it's okay. But off the ball, it's a lot harder. Given given that, then do you think um, you know the the squad of players that were there at the time at Scunthorpe? We just missed out on the playoffs. Do you think that they would have if they you know 
kind of broadly been kept together in the same team, would they have been able to compete well enough to stay up in the championship based on what you've experienced so far at Derby? Yeah, I think so. I think we'd, we'd had players that had been there and done it, do you know what I mean? Um, Bish, Bish had played there, Jord had played there, Connor, Moza, myself, Hatt obviously got all the ability in the world and it, it was... I, 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 it, I don't really know what to say because the fact that that team that didn't go up, it still, it still astounds me. You know what I mean, I still can't, I can't, I still can't get over the fact that we, we actually choked. So um, I, I firmly believe that if we'd have gone up, we'd have stayed up because the team was the team was very good and um, we knew we knew what we were good at and we knew how to win games and that, that, that's massive in a championship. Uh, so obviously we've mentioned Lampard and he seemed to be involved in, in bringing you in, meeting you, you know, first person in the door. What's he like sort of, as a coach? Because obviously that was the big thing. It was his first managerial job. What was what was that like, sort of training under him and, and his sort of styles and philosophies and things like that? Yeah, we're a bit weird at first, obviously, because you, you grow up watching these great players and then all of a sudden this manager and, and I see them every day. And it, like, it was a bit, bit weird to, to get used to at first, but then he... You could see as the season went on, you could see Frank growing into it. He started getting more confident, more he'd, he'd give people a dressing down. Whereas at the start of the season, he he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wasn't really one to get mad. But it was really good. He's obviously a, a legend of the game, and it's great to try and learn off some of that. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, with that, as we've just said, comes the sort of media scrutiny, and you, you've noted, you've already noted the differences between sort of you. We just don't get that at Scunthorpe United, but have you just sort of adapted to that now? Is that sort of just part of being a footballer in in that sort of level? Yeah, I mean, you get it wherever you go. Either, so it's just one of the things that you just try not to. I mean, mm. I had a great, I, I had, I had a great bit of Scunny fans. I, I'd like to think of myself as quite a level-headed lad. I'm just a a Yorkshire lad who kicks a football, do you know what I mean? So I've got time for anyone and and, and, and things like that. So I, I never had a problem with it with the fans. It's just obviously when you come when you when you go to a bigger club and it's a bigger audience you get certain people that that are literally they're the only thing they want to do is try try and piss you off. So you just gotta ignore it really. Uh, and then obviously a, a big part of that sort of first uh, bit of time at Derby is you've got the, the playoff run again, you know. And obviously we've, we've just discussed we've been through two of these with Scunthorpe. It's in a it's in another league, it's in a higher league. But what what's the sort of experience like, sort of going through, I guess, a, another playoff campaign? Did you sort of bring anything from the your previous two into it? Well, I tried. I've got bloody injured, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> um, no, it's fun fact. I've been. The three the three seasons that I've played consistently in a first team, the team that's beat me in the playoffs have gone up. So there you go. That's always fun. <laughs> um, no, it was. I think I think this one was the, the hardest one to take purely on the fact of how we beat Leeds in the mm. semi final. Great game. Um, we because Leeds had absolutely battered us three games before, and then we on the night we just turned up and and obviously got the result and then to go to Wembley and obviously I missed out through injury and then to watch the lads and I think we only got going really after 65 minutes and you can't really afford to do that in a final and Aston Villa went up. So it's just moving on a little bit from the playoffs again I'm sure he'd probably sick about talking about it but um, uh, yeah, yeah obviously, you, you know <laughs> you're uh, uh, now playing uh, you played alongside Wayne Rooney uh, what kind of experience is that like? I mean, 
I was saying, I was saying, like, like I was saying again, I've got a friend who supports Scunny. Shout out George again. Um, <laughs> I was saying to him, actually, I texted him on, um, I think it was Saturday night, saying I've just played in the midfield three with Tom Huddleston and Wayne Rooney. I mean, fucking, I grew up watching them. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. for me, just uh, just a lad from Wakefield who, you know, it, it's absolutely mental to be to be sharing a picture of him, and you can't. You can't be anything but thankful, can you, to get the chance and um, the great the great guys as well and Hoods especially has helped me out loads since being at Derby we was both injured at the same time and, and he helped me he helped me settle in at the start and stuff like that and, and then obviously to get the chance to play with a legend like, like Waza was obviously he's mental in it. And then obviously another thing is that Lampard that, of course, though, nope. played with a legend that's Neil Bishop, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it all, haven't I? I've done it all. <laughs> Hey, Bishop, I hope you listen to this episode. I listen to yours. <laughs> uh, another thing that uh, obviously has happened there at the time is obviously Lampard's got his, his move to, to Chelsea, even another manager come in. Is, is that sort of transition a little bit difficult, obviously being in a, a, a bigger club, more attention, and obviously the fact that Lampard sort of seemed to bring you in himself? Yeah, it was hard for me because me and Frank got on really well, and he obviously he liked me enough to play to play me a lot, so that's always... It's not nice when when he goes, but... I think I feel like after the fact we all knew that that was probably going to be his last his last game because it looked like Sarri was on his way out and they had the embargo and obviously Frank was Frank had done well for us and it just we all knew at some stage that job was going to come up and he was going to be in the running for it so it was um, it was obviously we we were prepared for it because we we could sort of see it coming but still especially for the players that he brought in I think a couple of us found it a bit. Um, Disappointing. Uh, I want to just sort of move uh, topics slightly now, I think. And we, we've talked about sort of media attention, and you mentioned that you get you'll get tweets and you know people sort of wanting to criticise you and everything like that. Um, obviously, something that's unfortunately still quite prevalent with the game is that racism, and there's been a lot of focus on it recently. Uh, and there was obviously the time you were uh, subjected to the racist tweet I think from a Nottingham Forest fan and obviously went through yeah, everything yeah, yeah when you know you report it to the police but the fact that obviously I guess you're in the higher league this is something that's getting picked up by you know BBC Sport and things like that you know how do you sort of respond to a situation like that I think the hardest thing is that you're not allowed to talk about it while it's still ongoing do you know what I mean I think I don't I've not heard anything about the Nottingham Forest fan so I don't know if I can talk about that one but last season someone made a monkey gesture to me at Brentford and uh, I reported it and because because there was lack of evidence it got thrown out and, and then I get all the Brentford fans tweeting me you know what I mean call me every name under the sun tell me I should be banned telling me all this stuff and you know, it's just purely because there's no there's no evidence to say that it happened and obviously I'm not why would anyone just make it up do you know what I mean mm. and it's just the little things like that get like not not get to me but it just winds me up but that people can still get away with it in this day and age. It's just not acceptable. How do you how do you use that? Um, is is it something that you you use and you, you kind of channel that kind of I don't know you call it negative energy into the you know when you play on the training ground or when you play on a Saturday or is it something that it, it's it's a little bit more difficult to get over because obviously you know you, you've got to go and perform again and you don't know what kind of crowd you're going to get the next match. No, I think I don't, me personally, I, it don't it don't really bother me. It just confuses me that people still think that. I think if you ask anyone who's from an ethnic minority, they'll say that they've experienced it at some point in their life, and and it's just something that unfortunately still happens. But it don't really affect me mentally. How I how I, how I see training, or I don't want to go into a game and think, oh fuck 
thinking, got to do this, do that, do you know what I mean? It's just one of them things that unfortunately still happens and until stronger action's taken, I think it'll still happen even more. I think it'll get worse the more the more people, the more it's out in the media without anyone actually doing anything. People will think it'll be some sort of new craze to, to, to do, do you know what I mean? And I think people have got to take... Okay, let's let's move on to a different topic now. And this, we've done a lot, a few of these in conversation episodes, and this is not something we often get to talk about with uh, Scunthorpe United players, and that's uh, international ambitions. Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, is is a sort of an international career quite a a big ambition for you? Yeah, it was. I've always, I've always, my my mum don't like it because my mum's English, but I've always told my mum I'm going to play for America one day being little and then obviously I got the chance to do it in the summer uh, unfortunately it was short-lived for injury but I still got the chance to, to pull on the, the stars and stripes and that's something that I'd said to my mum I was going to do from being 11 years old so that was probably the proudest moment of my career and um, my old man was there for his first live game so that was another another big thing but yeah I think I think any player would, t- would tell you that they want to represent the country and uh, I'm glad I had the chance to do it As you implied there obviously you were eligible to uh, play for either England or America you say that it seemed pretty clear in your mind that it was going to be America was was that an easy decision to make yeah because um, all my family still live in America on my dad's side and that's where I was born and that's where I see obviously I was raised in Yorkshire but um, my roots were my roots are in America and that's where I wanted to um, that's, that's the country that I wanted to represent and like I say I've been been lucky enough to do that and um, hopefully I can do it again. Yeah, you sort of say that obviously your, your debut 2019, I think Jamaica, wasn't it? What What is that like sort of playing in an international game? Yeah, it was weird. the weirdest thing for me, right? I'll, I'll be honest, right? The weirdest thing is the crowd was mixed. So you, know, you had the American fans mixed in with the Jamaican fans that's something that you never feel over it. So that was, um, that, I was thinking about that more than the fact that what I've been working towards for 24 years was actually going to happen in in the next two minutes or whatever, do you know what I mean? I was, I was a bit blown away that the, the crowd was mixed, but once you get on the pitch, obviously it's, it's a game of football and, and you forget about everything and you just want to do your best. And I thought I did quite well in my two games that I played and then obviously I, my injury reoccurred and I've not had a chance to play since, but hopefully I'll get, I'll get a chance this season. Yeah, you see, obviously there was that injury and you had to withdraw, but that was from the uh, the 23-man squad for the Gold Cup. So how does that sort of call come about? How are you told? And were you expecting it at the time? No, I'll be, I'll be honest. I weren't expecting the call. And then when I was at the cinema, I got a call from Florida. Obviously, it comes up and tells you where the call is from. And I was like, hey, why, is, why is my dad in? I think, why is my dad ringing me from Florida here? So I've answered it, and I was like, hey, this is Greg Berhalter from uh, US Men's Soccer. Uh, is this Dwayne? I was like, what? So I obviously ran out ran out the cinema and started talking to him, and uh, obviously he told me, basically, in the summer, you're going to go, and I was going to go and a big part of the camp before the Gold Cup roster, and then, like I said, I, I, played, I played well in my games, I did well in training, and, and I made the I made the, um, the 23-man squad, so it was all going well until the injury, and... Um, that was just part. Uh, just as well, um, you mentioned obviously you're hoping to get back into that that squad. Have you had sort of contact with them since? Is is that how that works? Yeah, it's, um, I spoke to him a, a couple of weeks ago. So and there's a camp coming up in March. So hopefully I'll get a chance to go and play there. They're playing Holland and, and Wales, so it'll be two good games. So I've got a chance. Mm. So yeah, yeah, just move on to a few. A few more general questions now, uh, a little bit more lighthearted, I suppose. Um, so um, a big one is, who's got a, a better free kick, yeah. Rooney or Josh Morris? 
from games I've played in, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've, we've had quite a few and you, you mentioned it as well, sort of when under Alexander, when you were sort of playing sort of in different positions and I think you're saying you're at fullback at one point as well. Uh, what is your sort of, do you think is your preferred position? Is it out wide or is it in the middle? Uh, I prefer playing in the middle of the pitch. Maybe not as a 10, but more of a box to box midfield. I feel like I can, I've got the license to get forward and, and I feel like I do my best stuff through the middle, yeah, so probably like a box to box. Uh, and let's just go on to uh, Derby again for a minute. Um, what, How much has that sort of helped you improve as a player? I guess working under the legends, you know, like Lampard and working with Rooney currently, what, what's that sort of added to your game? Yeah, obviously, you, you can't ask for better people to learn from than, than, than Frank and, and Wayne and obviously Philip Koku, Asher Cole. Tom Odelston, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just it's just really, really talented footballers and they're on a wealth of knowledge and you've just got to try and soak up as much as you can and, and just listen and work hard and, and I feel like I'm I feel like I'm getting better and better. Do you um just interesting to know, do, do you do you ever uh, do, you, do you still follow uh Scunthorpe United results and do you ever happen to make yourself uh, make your way down to Glenford Park to watch us struggle in League Two? Sure. <laughs> I was watched. I came to a few uh, Scunny games last season. I went to Burton, I think. I watched at home against Fleetwood, which was probably mm. the worst performance I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, I think I think, <laughs> I think it was Nick fired after that game. I think. He was, I yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I can remember. I can remember saying. Um, I can remember saying to my mate, I was like. I think I think Dars is probably probably gone after this one because it it was like you say it was it weren't a great watch, but yeah I went to a few games last season when I weren't playing for Derby I probably went to five or six. Were you surprised that the team went down? Um, I think after the pre-season it's hard to it's hard to really once you, once you find yourself behind and and stuff like that then it's hard to to get going but I still think the, the lads have more than enough to stay up but obviously. It, it just didn't work out. Favorite moment as an iron player. Favorite moment. I think it's gonna. I think it was when I scored away at Oldham. We won three. Two, we was two 0 up, and I was on the bench moaning, obviously because I mm. wasn't playing. I think Grezzo was a gaffer. I was, I was moaning. I was pissed off. <laughs> and then I was. I can remember telling Kev Owens with a physio. I was like, Kev, I never get tapped. And then um, obviously it was two 0 up. It went to two two. I've been chatting shit to one of the Oldham players, and then. <laughs> when it went to two, when it went to two two, he celebrated in my face. I was fuming, and then obviously I ended up somewhere. Was it Dogs squared it or someone squared it? Need it from underneath the bar in like the 90th minute, and we won three two. I think that's probably my favourite moment. Yeah. Probably the best goal I've ever scored, that one. And I think we'll just maybe end on this one. You sort of said throughout this episode that it was a really sort of good group of lads and one of the best sort of groups you've had, uh, you know, played with throughout your career. You've been on holiday together. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of them? Yeah, I've literally five minutes before this phone call, I was on FaceTime to Hops, uh, Hops and Hops, Charles, Hacks. George, all like we're all we're all so close. We're going even when everyone split off. We all went on holiday last last year together. Yeah, the, the lad like I know it sounds corny, but it's mate for life. And you, you, there's only there's, don't meet many people that you'll you'll leave and, and still talk to. And I can I talk to Chaz and Chaz and Hops especially. I like talk to them every day. You know what I mean? It's it's just little things like that. And like I say, that's probably the, the hardest part of all. Scummy thing, not getting a promotion with them, with them lads. And I think we'll leave it there. I think it's a good, uh, good place to end on. So, Dwayne, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. No bother.
No, thanks so much. And I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this one. All the usual things like share, subscribe, retweet, and uh, hopefully we'll bring you another in conversation very soon. Thank you very much. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.